Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. Sangha. So this morning, we're going to practice and learn how to crack the code of suffering. It's a particular aspect of the teaching of the Buddha that is pretty unique. So I mentioned that uh, our sense experience unfolds in these different dimensions of seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, and the mind. And then there's a particular aspect of that that is helpful to recognize, which is that in each of these experiences, any experience, whether it's a sight, a sound, a taste, a touch, smell, there's a way in which it is perceived as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral in any given moment. And it changes too. So one experience even of eating oatmeal can start by being pleasant and then it can get kind of neutral, then it can be unpleasant. And in fact, even one bite can be like that, changing during the time of that experience. So why this is important is because we don't usually notice this uh, quality, you could call it feeling tone. The word in Pali is Vedana. But we have habitual reactions to each of these different feeling tones. So when the feeling tone is one that is pleasant, our habit of mind, so if we're not actually mindful, is going to be to grasp after it, to try to cling to it, to try to make it stay, to try to keep it. If something unpleasant comes up, habit of mind is going to be like, push it away, hate it, try to get rid of it, And then you can investigate what happens if the neutral comes. So something that's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. For many people, they notice that that's the time when the mind actually spaces out or even starts to make up stuff, like make up even unpleasant things, like even even making up problems uh, that don't actually exist right now rather than being able to be with neutral. So we can notice this in our experience. And when we're sitting, we have the experience of the body, we have the experience of sound, we have the experience of the mind. Uh, And this is true in all of the different sense fields. So for example, right now as you're sitting here in whatever posture, you could see if you can notice if there is any area of the body, let's pick the easiest one, that is unpleasant. Sometimes colloquially called pain. So is there any any experience of the body that's unpleasant right now. It could be slightly unpleasant. It could be like where the fabric's a little tight in the fold of the body, or it could be a temperature thing, or um, yeah, it could be some feeling of tingling that is perceived to be unpleasant. So we can see there's the experience itself, and is it possible for us to tune into the quality that is unpleasant within that? And we could see in the field of the body, is there anything that is pleasant in the body? Is there any experience of the body that's pleasant right now? And again, it could be a sense of temperature, it could be an area that feels relatively good. could be again tingling. It could be even that same area that you found the unpleasant was also pleasant. Sometimes it's interesting to notice within something that we might call pain is a mix of different sensations. So can we just notice that as pleasant? And we can notice in either case if it's strongly pleasant, strongly unpleasant, sometimes even slightly, is there a leaning of the mind towards or away from that? 
And now the harder one to figure, to find is, can we find some place that's neutral in the body? So neither too pleasant nor unpleasant. Some okayness. It might be something that you wouldn't otherwise even pay attention to. Like Maybe you could check out something in your hands or fingers or... experience of the nose, the ear. What's it like if it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant? Sensation is just there. And you can notice, is it difficult to be with that? Or sometimes, in fact, as we start to pay attention to it, then our attention and the detail that's revealed makes it actually interesting, makes it actually pleasant. So this quality of the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is different than our liking or disliking. That leaning of the mind to like or dislike, to grab or push away is an add-on to that. So it's helpful to recognize it's actually possible to know these sensations just as they are. And you might have had this experience in sitting with some painful sensation where for a while you want to move, you want to move, you're hating it, and then... For some reason, you need to soften around it, and it's able to be there just as it is. It still can be intense. On some level, you know it's uh, difficult, like you wouldn't wrap it up and give it as a gift to someone for the holidays or for their birthday. But there's an okayness, like you've gained some ability to be with unpleasant sensation just as it is. But sometimes it feels like it must have turned to neutral if I'm able to be with it, okay. And you can investigate that, see what's true about that. But it's possible to be with unpleasant, to be with pleasant, to be with neutral, and to recognize it just as it is. So similarly in the field of sound, we could recognize if there's a sound that's happening that seems like it's pleasant, or a sound that's happening that's unpleasant. Or maybe there's fairly neutral sound. If you rest in the field of hearing, different sounds will come and go and it could be, oh, there's a bird sound, it sounds very sweet. So there's probably a pleasant quality to it. And then notice how then the mind might be leaning to hear more of it, like a pulling towards that. And then see what it's it's like, that strain in the mind to grasp the bird sound or to want the teacher to stop talking so you can only hear the bird. And what would it be like if you could just rest back to neutral? So just steady... Just allow everything to come and go as it does. So we can sit as we usually do. We can maintain kind of anchoring sense in the body. We can try to relax. So when there's a tension, there often is a sense of actually the pushing and pulling towards something already there. Like trying to make an experience happen of meditation or trying to concentrate, trying to get away from thoughts. I just relax. connect with the body as it's sitting here.
can be really curious about this pushing and pulling that happens. Are we trying to make something happen? Are we trying to push something away? This reactivity of mind that's there a lot of the time in subtle or unsubtle ways. Just feel the dukkha of that. Feel the strain, the stress, if it's there. Recognize the freedom when it's not there. Recognize how it is to just allow things to be as they are. You can notice also with experiences of the mind. Different thoughts or images can have a feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So if we have fantasies or imagining beautiful things, it's often pleasant. We imagine scary things, worrisome things, unpleasant. There's some images or thoughts that are just neutral. So if the attention's gone to the field of the mind, you could just be curious. Is there a feeling tone? Let's be discerned about this. Mind object.
And if it feels like it's too busy looking out for these Vedana feeling tone, just rest back with the body, feeling the body breathing, just bringing mindfulness to whatever the experience is. If you notice yourself caught by something, then you can investigate again. Okay, there's a quality of pleasant in there, prior to the liking or disliking unpleasant.
can notice where your attention is. You can notice what your relationship is to whatever the object is. Is there open, curious, spacious awareness? Is there a sense of pushing away the experience or clinging to it, trying to make it last? And if so, is there some quality of the experience that's easily knowable, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? If there's a leaning in the mind, just feel the tension of that. Notice the strain. Allow it to change, allow it to move get bigger, get smaller, pass away.
when you hear the sound of the bell, you can also tune in and see if you can recognize what the feeling tone quality is of that. Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Is it neutral? Does it vary between those? And is there some reaction in the mind? Can it just be as it is? So this is an interesting aspect of practice to play with. It can be also interesting to play with it in the dining hall when you go for your next meal. Because usually we have strong experience of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral with the tastes and smells, uh, the experience of the food, the sights, and so on. So you can notice that while you're eating. And particularly you can notice if there's like a pull towards something, you know, if you taste something good and then the mind is leaning towards it and then sometimes a proliferation starts, like I wonder if there's seconds, should I go now, will that look greedy, you know, all that stuff. And so we don't notice how that all has unfolded, right? It's from a pleasant sensation, pleasant sense experience and then reaction leaning towards, grasping and then thoughts, proliferation of the mind and then the world has gotten created, like me and the focaccia or something like that, right? That moment. Fill in anything, right, in that blank there. Uh, Also, you can notice, like, it's not inherent in the object, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, uh, you know, which you can tell by the fact that, like, some people like broccoli and some people don't. It's not the broccoli's inherent quality of (laughs) pleasantness or unpleasantness. And in fact, even in a different uh, day or time, it could be that something different Uh, is experienced from that. So it's good to um, be open to it, to see if you can be present with this particular um, experience of broccoli. So in general, uh, have a sort of freshness. And it's one of the ways in which uh, we habitually respond to the world, you know, is like we assume we know what this is going to be like. And you can notice when your mind is doing that, like, oh, I know what it's going to be like to take this next step. I know what it's going to be like to breathe in and out. I know what oatmeal tastes like. And then it extends to like, oh, I know who you are. I know what you're going to say, you know. I mean, it makes everything very boring and it's not even true. You know, it's a sort of idea that we have that we already know. This like um, already knowing or knowing everything mind in some ways is like the um, opposite of, of mindfulness, of like the fresh mind, you know, mind that can be, uh, taking things anew and seeing what's actually true about it. You know. So we usually uh, know this experience from the other side when somebody is coming at us with this expectation like, I already know who you are, I know what you're going to say, I know what you're like, and usually we don't like it, right? Like It's like they've already decided how it is. So uh, yeah, you can see the, the dukkha of that, the pain of that uh, on the side of the receiver. But there is actually that on the side of the one who is uh, perceiving as well. So see if we can meet experience fresh and uh, notice what's there. Likewise, in the walking, it can be interesting to notice if there's some way in which uh, there can be like a leaning. You know, there's like a wanting of different experience, uh, wanting to be already at the other end, 
from which you'll just turn around and come back, of course. But, uh, you know, sometimes you can feel like a leaning or a rushing. And that leaning is a quality of mind. Like, it, you could be moving super slowly and still have that leaning, you know? It's not even dependent on moving fast. And it's actually possible to move fast and be just fully centered and steady with it. So notice in the walking if there's like a leaning towards or a pushing away of any experience too. And feel the pain of that, you know, feel the, the stress, the suffering of that in the mind. And then notice what it's like when there's just this, just able to be like this with this. So I'll see if there's any um, questions about your practice. And I'll say also, you know, people have started to write us little, like, questions on a piece of paper, small piece of paper. So please uh, don't do that, <laughs> because it's hard to answer what are really good Dharma questions or practice questions on tiny pieces of paper like that. So uh, we'd rather that you ask the questions in the groups or um, in these one-on-ones or in the sign-ups, and then happy to try to answer them. And so for today, um, maybe we'll open it for questions uh, for people who don't have groups today. So any questions about your practice or this which is happening from this Vedana thing? Yeah. I mean, it sometimes happens, and it's it's good to recognize. It's almost like when some lens of like aversion falls in front of your eyes, and then everything is annoying to you. And you know, in a mundane way, sometimes people feel like this, like before they've had their coffee in the morning. You know, it's like, and then everything is annoying, like the radio and the you know partner and the food and everything. But then once you've had the coffee, suddenly like ah, oh, it's all different, right? <laughs> So then you can notice, like, oh, maybe it wasn't inherently the partner and the toast and the radio. It was actually, it's actually in the mind. You know, the suffering's in the mind. And it's really helpful to notice that because then we don't keep blaming, blaming outside. Uh, and then we can start to observe, like, oh, there's this sense of, you know, sometimes there's almost this lens that drops that then actually conditions that we're experiencing everything as unpleasant. And sometimes you can inquire in that more, like, is it actually unpleasant or is the mind already just primed to, like, hate everything, you know? It's a reactivity and it's painful, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one way to practice with that is actually to turn back to feel the suffering of that state. You know, feel the burn of that way of relating to life. Like, feel the, the dukkha of it. Um, because it's difficult when we're in that state. And then see if you can hold yourself with compassion in some ways. It's like, oh, this is, this is suffering. Like, it's difficult to be trapped like this, you know? It's like, um, you know, in Buddhism they say sometimes about the, the endless round of rebirth. And so during this period, we're like caught in this rebirth of like, I hate everything, you know? And it doesn't matter what comes up. Like, someone could give you the most beautiful thing and you'd be like, it's not good enough, right? In that, from that mindset. So we can see the suffering inherent in that that state so feel the dukkha feel the suffering of that the strain of that and then yeah just holding oneself with compassion and otherwise the tendency is to focus outward and be like they're wrong they're wrong that's wrong they should move that turkey that should do this right and it's like no actually turn back here yeah The phrases, yeah, we could post some uh, some phrases. Yeah, there's different ones that you could use, but we'll post maybe some general ones, and then um, yeah, you could play with it and see what is what phrases are most meaningful for you. Basically, like some yeah, three or four short ones. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Can you post the rain? We posted the rain. It's on the oh, bulletin okay. board. Yes.
Right. I know that's not, that's kind of twisting what we're trying to do. Right. But how do you prevent yourself from falling into this trap of like, you're seeing the thoughts and you're bringing back your... It's easy just to get into this habit eventually of just like, the thoughts, again, are the enemy. And it's it's kind of like a negative way of being, I think it gets the practice wrong too, but... Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you avoid warfare with thoughts? <laughs> Getting pulled into this dynamic of thinking thoughts are wrong, and it's it's sort of like a view, right? You could say. And some of what we're doing here, you know, in the Dharma talks and instructions, is trying to cultivate wise view. You could say. So yeah, like a part of you is like, yeah, okay, I think that's not correct. I've heard you say something like about this, like thoughts are not the enemy. We don't need to get rid of thoughts for meditation, but then. You know, they come up and I'm fighting with them. So one is to get interested in them. But what's key, I would say, is the way that we're interested in them. Because in usual mundane way of being interested in them is we're like totally absorbed in the content of the thinking and we believe them and we go on these huge rides to places that we don't even know where we're going, right? So the way of being interested in them, um, there's many aspects. So one is just being aware that they are showing up unscripted and even there you can sense something about uh, what's called like anatta, like the selflessness, you know, like that there's not a puppet master in charge of this body and mind, like we are not scripting the experience of uh, what we call our self, right? So in this way it's just nature. So the, the uninvited arising of thoughts is sort of a sign of that. So just noticing that they come and also notice that they go. Like you don't actually need to, you know, like whack them out, you know, eventually every thought will go, in fact quite quickly, right? So you could, one thing is practicing labeling them. So, and you could even subcategorize if you want, like thinking, planning, judging, you know, like this, uh, or remembering, something like that. So then just be curious, like, okay, what's the categories of thoughts? Let's see if I can sort of categorize them. And in that way, okay, they come, but then you're being mindful of them. So it's totally still practice like that. Uh, this, this aspect of um, being curious about the feeling tone quality of it, you know, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral is another way to be curious about them. Uh, so neutral is like, you know, the, the sky is blue, the wood is brown, you know, something that doesn't bring big, big uh, elicitation. And then like sexual fantasy or fantasy about vacation, usually pleasant quality. And then the other side is like uh, remembering something scary or something that's unpleasant. Yeah. So, yeah, in that way, like uh, befriend them, make them your uh, dharma uh, uh, part of your dharma chowder, uh, like uh, <laughs> they do not have to be. Uh, at, you don't have to be at war with them, but yeah, be really curious because this is how the world gets constructed so fast. You know. Um, yeah, relatedly, I think I mentioned in the beginning this uh, category of like the vipassana romance. Sometimes, like people will have someone on retreat, some poor hapless individual has been chosen as like, you know, <laughs> like my crush and you think they're perfect. And then you could see like, oh, the mind is creating all these pleasant thoughts about them, right? And then the other side is the vipassana vendetta, like when we have thought about someone <laughs> and we just project all these thoughts of like hating them. And so it's basically an unpleasant projection, you know. And meanwhile, that poor entity, who I am totally aware could be one of us up here too, right? Uh, like knows nothing, is just going about their business, right? Like uh, lifting, moving, placing, breathing, and um, it's all in the mind. So we don't see the way in which we're constructing the world and uh, creating these pleasant, unpleasant you know, things. So it's really helpful to make thought part of our practice, yeah? So not to see them as the enemy at all. And there's like cravings that I've come across through the meditation that that like oh I want to work on an application for a PhD program, but then I almost kind of fantasize about like oh as soon as I get a laptop and look at the deadline or talk to people to recommend me, and then I'm almost lost in like a fantasy. But it's like there's a negative craving of like of like oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was asking the person who gave the talk if they wanted to answer, but they have passed. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, there's different kinds of um, there's different kind of like goals or things that we could have, right? And so it's good to recognize first of all um, if the goal itself is like inherently uh, wise or unwise in some ways. So if it is like wholesome or unwholesome, and so yeah, like getting high or you know even a plan to to harm someone else or something, right? Would be unwise broadly speaking. But then actually, even with something like you know to apply to a PhD program, like that could be a positive goal, or even like to get to retreat. You know, everybody here had to make a plan to do that and then uh, carry out that plan, right? So I would say that was like a wholesome goal aspiration. Um, but then we can see how do we relate to that? So how do we relate even to this um, a wholesome or a positive aspiration? And like you're noticing, the mind can get obsessed with anything, you know. So even something that is actually like a, a seemingly a good thing, the mind can get obsessed with it. And that's actually not helpful, you know. Like it doesn't help you fill out the application better or more. It's actually suffering. Like in this moment, uh, it's suffering. And the mind getting anxious about it and worrying about it and making all this stuff, right? It's kind of like a waste of energy and it's dukkha, right? So actually just seeing that, you know, just seeing the dukkha of that, which doesn't mean that we have to dismiss that goal. You know, if we've looked at it and it's like, oh yeah, that could be a good idea to do that. Um, but seeing how the way we can relate to something can actually be uh, dukkha, can be suffering, and then feeling the suffering of that. Uh, like a lot of practices, noticing at a deeper level suffering that we did not notice, <laughs> you know. Uh, this is like the, the noble truths, right? Like, like being intimate with, suffering and then understanding the causes in some way right so with something like you know the leaning into the wanting to do something you could see like oh is there anything underlying that too is there like a fear is there excitement and then be with whatever the emotions are of that too but notice that the inherent suffering of the leaning whether it's for a phd program it's for the end of the walking path it's for uh, getting high you know that uh, relationship that we have of craving uh, we'll take anything as an object, you know, good, bad, neutral, whatever, uh, and then there's suffering in that. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, way in the back there, yeah. Okay. Um, I have a longing to be a mother, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So it's a renewal. Mm-hmm. And I'm to the point of compassion and consoling myself. I mean, So I, I kind of ping pong back and forth between suppression and right. almost being condescending to myself. Right. So I'm wondering um, where I can kind of... Yeah. Yeah, so about longing and particular example of wanting to have a child, wanting to be a, a mother, a parent, um, and then ping-ponging between the uh, pushing it away or suppressing it or seeming, feeling like condescending, treating like a child. So yeah, middle way is good, which is to recognize what's happening, uh, to see if you can allow that, uh, whatever it is in the moment, to be there, but neither... S- repressing it, suppressing it, being like, I shouldn't feel that, I don't want to feel that, stop feeling that, but also not overindulging it, right? So not overindulging it like, um, why me? Why can't I get what I want? I'm the only one who doesn't have this. Look at all the people who have children. Yeah, so neither of those. Just allow if there's a longing, the feeling of that longing to be there, uh, but recognize when it tips either of those ways to pushing it away or to, you know, uh, overindulging in some ways. Sometimes with something like that also can help to sort of universalize a little bit, like, like actually reflect and 
um, we sometimes forget is like, oh, am I the only one who is not getting what I want in this life? Right? So no, you know, like in so many different ways, there are, there are aspects of life that people want something. They want a partner, they want a child, they want a certain career, they want, you know, their parents who passed away to be with them. You know, there's so much that, like inherent in this life of birth, death, and changing circumstance, like there's many ways in which people are not getting what they want or are getting what they don't want, you know, like have been diagnosed with cancer, uh, have lost something that they loved, right? So it's not at all to minimize, like, yeah, if you want to have a child and that like feels like a calling, you don't have to minimize that or pretend it's it's not good or anything, just to recognize that, but also recognize, like, yeah, I'm part of a vast group of people, perhaps everyone, in fact, who in some ways, like, life isn't turning out exactly how we want in this moment, right? And we don't know what's going to happen next, too, right? So in some ways, then, that can deepen from our individual dukkha, our individual struggle to becoming part of, like, this family of humanity and touching into the deeper level of, of suffering with that, you know? And then, you know, practically speaking in one's life, one can do things to, uh, you know, practically try and make that happen, but also know there's sort of the equanimity thing, like I can do what I can, and then it's, it's not totally under my control, right? And that's the difficult but true thing for all of us, you know, in like every endeavor we undertake, uh, including meditation retreat. So, uh, yeah, you come, you do your best, you have your aspirations, and then... Yeah, see how things unfold. So thank you for your question. All right, so we do have some groups we need to um, get to. A couple announcements. So one, please come on time to the sittings. Uh, It helps for everyone if uh, you could come on time and then stay for the whole time. You could imagine as if this is like a ship that is leaving the dock at the time that the sitting starts. So you want to be on board the ship. You could even come early to the ship. That's also okay. Um, Yeah, I think I already said about the notes. So try and only write notes if it's necessary. Keep them concise. And then um, if you're going to sign up to meet with uh, Roxanne or Yong, um, yeah, that's for questions about practice and... um, if you already have a group that day, also please don't uh, give the sign-up spot for somebody else. And yeah, just give this give this a try. Like play with this Vedana thing, and in general, just give yourself to the practice. So I know people have come from you know many different traditions, this and that, and sometimes maybe it feels like it's not working. Like you're like, oh, I'm going to go back to my other thing because you know. But just keep going with this. Have little faith, or you know, just try and see. And. Uh, yeah, with this Vedana, you could play with just even in nature, listening, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. It's all there unfolding, and it's this recipe for how almost all of our movements and <laughs> our whole life is constructed that we haven't seen yet. So that's why I'm calling it cracking the code. So, yeah, so, yeah I hope you have an interesting day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.